Mr. Mayor, great to have you back. Great to be back. Great to see you guys. Right off the gates here, Texter says, ask the mayor if he gets requests to name a street for somebody who has passed away, such as a media personality or a sportsman. Hmm. I haven't yet. I haven't since I've been mayor. Uh, I imagine I might be I the will. first. I, well, <laughs> maybe they're don't. hoping Jim will die <laughs> soon. <right>. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's not go there. Uh, but uh, you know, like those things can can be appropriate. Typically, they I can think be there, I do recall some controversy about um, whether or not somebody needs to have passed away before before we name a street. <laughs> Although we have named streets after people who have not yet, so I, I think there's precedent for both. But uh, no, it hasn't come up yet. How does that typically go? Is it just, you know, somebody in the community maybe goes to their city councilor and says, yeah. hey, you know, there was a really good teacher in this neighborhood or doctor or somebody? Yeah, typically. Uh, or somebody does something uh, remarkable. Like, uh, I mean, I think we have Venus Lacey Parkway, and Venus Lacey's alive and well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, mm -hmm. something like that. An inspiration. Yes, yes exactly. Is, I would say. Precisely. Two six seven one zero two three. Again, the guest here is Chattanooga Mayor Tim Kelly, and uh, Mr. Mayor. Without giving away too many details here, I know one of the uh, one of your major focuses has been on affordable housing and homelessness. Yes, um, I do believe that there is a announcement coming soon because you've made some progress yeah. in that regard. Well, it, you know, again, I've, I've been on the job now right at two years, and of course, having run during the pandemic. Um, and, and seen the spike in homelessness and talked to many other mayors since that time. It is uh, among, it is the most wicked problem that we face, not sort of in the Bostonian uh, sense, <laughs> but, but in the sense of being just, being having so many different variables, so difficult to control. And in some respects, the better job you do, the more you get accused of actually just attracting more mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. homeless people. So it's a really difficult problem to wrestle, but we created... Uh, a lot of effective strategies, and we built really great teams. And again, they they deserve all the credit. But yeah, we we've got uh, we've attracted the attention of the uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development because we've got a large double digit decrease in our homeless population. Thank mm -hmm. God. And uh, again, still too many unsheltered people on the street. Uh, but it is evidence that the strategies we're using are working. So yes, you'll see some major announcements about that. I think later today or tomorrow. And now we have not just done what some cities have done in the past, which is take all the homeless people, put them on the bus, and send them to another city. We have not. Okay. Uh, not to my knowledge. I don't think we certainly, the city uh, has not. I know we've gotten some people in that way, but uh, even still, yeah. I think those are onesie twosies, fairly anecdotal. Most of the homeless people in our area come from somewhere in the region. Uh, the fact is that we are the only major city within 100 miles with any sort of uh, resources in that regard. So, I mean, gosh, you could even see it in the budget tail crisis, right? East Ridge doesn't sure. have a Department of Homelessness, uh, uh, Homeless Services, nor does Pikeville or Ringgold or any place like that. So if somebody um, gets put out on the street for whatever reason, they tend to wind up in Chattanooga. But even still, we, yeah. have, we have managed to reduce that uh, um, reduce that number pretty dramatically by getting people rehoused. I mean, I should say that that is the main strategy, right, is to, you know, we had a great meeting, gosh, almost um, a little over a year ago where we, we brought in a lot of local landlords and mm -hmm. said, you know, look, if you'll give these people a chance, we'll cover your first month's payment and security deposit uh, in case they do um, wreck the place. And uh, that strategy worked. We had a lot more landlords open up. Uh, and accept uh, vouchers. And, and again, we had federal money mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic that we didn't have before. But a lot of cities have had a lot that, yeah. that same access yeah. to federal money and have not had 
similar success. So the, the strategy has been working. Uh, Mike Smith and, and his group uh, at the at the Regional Homeless Coalition uh, and groups like Help Right Here, many others, really. I mean, it's a testament to Chattanooga's long tradition of, uh, of public-private partnership because sure. it's not just the city. It's our remarkable uh, nonprofit uh, uh, community and, you know, the faith community. We've got churches doing great work in that regard. So it's a, it's a great... Uh, you know, again, I can't really spoil the headline because the feds are involved, like we were saying. But but it's it is really a great testament to uh, Chattanooga as a community. So just to sort of expand on that, because I know when a lot of people hear, right, 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 here's another mayor who's claiming he's cracking down on this, cracking down on that, solving homelessness. But they, to them, it just sounds like a generalization right. to to yeah. really kind of describe the process here. So you have offices and city employees in place who act as a conduit. We know landlords. Yep. We know federal programs. Correct. We can contact. We can put you in contact with a landlord. Put you in contact with a federal or a state program or some kind of funds to help you along the way. That's right. I mean, the the between the homeless coalition and our own department of um, uh, supportive housing and homelessness. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking to people on the street and saying, you know, hey, what's what's the deal? What what help do you need? I mean, but even if it's addiction or mental health. Um, we, our, our strategy has always been housing first, right? Sure. So, so the thing is get them housed because if you're on the street, uh, things, as you it's might imagine, it's worse. Exactly right. I mean, and the longer you're on the you're street, desperate. the worse it gets, right? If you weren't mentally ill when you hit the street, um, you will be soon, right? If you're literally living yes. out there on the street, uh, and, and, and it's, uh, it's a bad situation. So the idea is to interrupt that cycle, get them housed, and then get them help. And so, yeah, what we've been doing has been working. And so, again, I'm, I'm, this is not a spike the football moment, but it, it is a moment to say our strategies are working. And, uh, and, and let's double down on those strategies and see if we can drive that number to functional zero. With some of the homeless, a lot of time, it becomes crazy at first, and then it does become a way of life. That's, it be- yeah. becomes normal. And sleeping I, under a bridge in a sleeping bag becomes normal. That's right. You know, and once that happens, yeah. then you got long, I think, you got long-term problems. Well, no, you're exactly right, Tim. And, and, uh, so, and, and they don't, you know, there are, there are people that don't, want to be housed fairly clearly i mean we understand that's, that and that's, that's why i say this this number will probably never be zero it's not quite back to where it was pre-pandemic uh, so and uh, hence the sort of the moniker of being a wicked problem in the sense that it's not ever probably completely solvable but so jesus said it that's right well you know and, <laughs> and it is it, but it is manageable right and so and we're we're you know again what the announcement is around the fact that we're managing it uh, pretty well relative to most in, other American cities. In the conversations that you do have with homeless advocates, with your own staff and offices who work with the homeless and affordable housing, yep. can you point a finger? What is there a main driving factor? What do they typically point to? Is it is it mental illness? Is it drug addiction? You know, there's there's people out there who say, you know, these people are fine. They're just too lazy to work. No, I mean, again, that's the really remarkable thing. Is the only single direct corollary is the price of housing in your market. Huh. There's no correlation to a drug addiction or mental health. We, you know, every city has got its fair share of people struggling with mental illness or addiction, but they have a roof over their heads, right? Yeah. Uh, now, again, if you are struggling with addiction or mental health and, uh, and your rent goes up and you're probably not gainfully employed or, or 
making um, uh, enough money due to your circumstances, you're probably a pretty good candidate for eviction. And there you go. And I should say part of our, uh, you know, part of our strategy is also we have a very robust eviction prevention initiative to help people from being evicted who, um, who, who can be helped, right? So that, that's part of the strategy as well, but that just keeps people from being on the street to begin with. So, uh, but the only, but again, the, it seems obvious, but it bears repeating, you know, the solution to homelessness is housing. So a lot of this too, uh, bleeds right over into affordable housing strategy, which we're also very hard at work on. I have a dumb question. How much of this is personal relationship? Everyone fills out grants yep. and has someone that they do that full time and someone in Washington has a stack of paperwork or yeah. 5,000 emails. How much is what you do well, I believe, is eyeball to eyeball and yep. shaking someone's hand every so often and say, here's what we want to do, help us out. How, how much I, is that or how much do you feel like that's a part of your your job and what you do? Well, the the you know the feds don't play play favorites, but I will say, no. re, 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 well, they as far as I can tell, they don't. But uh, relationships are important. I don't. I can't speak for other cities. I can say we do have good relationships with our with our friends on the on the uh, on the federal side or the departmental level. And yeah, they want to uh, help the cities that that want to play ball and help and and will put the money to work so they can point at it and say we had a success. Hence hence the announcement. Uh, Later today or tomorrow, right? I mean, the, the, there's that's a, a lot of money uh, on the table for cities to solve their most difficult problems from the from the federal level. They they want the problems to be solved. So I think it has a question. It, 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 if we can demonstrate competence, which is what we try to do on a daily basis, um, I, I think we can expect more support um, to solve more problems. Does the federal government work well with mayors? If you are the go-between between, between, you know, big Capitol Hill and funding and all that kind of stuff and, and money getting into, or someone getting housing, that's your job or one of them, I would think. Well, again, they, they know that cities, I think, again, uh, whatever your politics are. Where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. This administration, uh, I think there are nine former mayors in the administration. Huh. From Marsha huh. Fudge, uh, who's the, uh, the head of the Harbin uh, Housing and Urban Development, is a former mayor of Cleveland. Buttigieg is a former mayor of South Bend. Marty Walsh, who recently departed, was the uh, Secretary of Labor, was the huh. mayor of Boston. Interesting. Uh, so, and they understand that um, when it comes to these issues, mayors um, do solve problems. Well, it also sounds to me like a major part of doing this is drilling down on the local level. In other yeah. words, like you were saying, you, you have staff and offices that that go out to some of the shelters. It's, okay, that gentleman there, his name's Bill. Yeah. He, he's looking for housing. You got it. We've got 10 landlords right. in Brainerd. We've got 10 landlords in this section of the city, that right. section of the city, who have vouchers, mm-hmm. who work in affordable housing. They have a space for this guy. Not much more complicated than that. Sounds yeah. easy, right. but it's but it's not. And and again, it, it takes a lot of people working together at all levels, but that, right. is, that is essentially it. And yes, the administration, I think, does understand that. And I mean, I, again, I, <laughs> it'll probably come up at some point today, but uh, I don't need to remind you that the, the state level can be a bit of a circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to the extent to which, to which we can bypass that and solve problems directly in cities is uh, is just more efficient, frankly. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Mayor, I always call and complain about homeless. So today I'm just calling to say if you've reduced it, your plans have reduced it by double digits, 
Thank you very much. That's in, headed in the right direction, and, and that's what the city needs overall. So I just want to call and say thank you for doing that job. Well, thank you, Michael. It's been, uh, in, of all the things that keep me up at night, it has been the toughest one because I drive. I live in Fort Wood, and I drive down 11th Street on purpose mm-hmm. just to kind of do every day to City Hall to, you know, as sort of a thumbnail sketch of, you know, how things are going. Are they moving in the right direction? And, and, and you know, so it's gratifying to me uh, uh, particularly gratifying, particularly how difficult the problem has been uh, that it that it is working. And, and all I really want to do now is just kind of double down on the same strategy and keep driving that number down. As mayor for almost two years, as you said, is that your first compliment? Uh, no, that's <laughs> no, not the first one. But uh, it's not the first one. I, I get it also, I mean, it's, it's also, nice, and I appreciate it. In all seriousness, it must be nice to feel like if you've made a difference in even one person's life well, of course that's why I took it's a good job. feeling i mean it's the only reason i took the job I, I sincerely believe it sounds schmaltzy but i really believe that this is a great city and can be greater can be one of if not the greatest city all things considered in in the united states of america and and so yeah i mean look this is why um this is why i, I busted my rear end and spent quite a bit of my own money to 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 get in the chair and so it's what keeps me going every day Texter says, Mr. Mayor, I saw a story about another passenger rail study. What makes this one different from all the other studies that have been done over the past 20, 30 years? It's a fair question. Uh, But but what makes this one different (laughs) is, A, that there's a lot of federal support for it. Amtrak is intensely interested in it. We're not having to get their attention. Uh, there, there are dollars available in, in, uh, in infrastructure for it. And, you know, we have mayors in Nashville and Atlanta who, um, uh, who are very interested in seeing it happen, uh, for the first time. Uh, and, and we're, we're leading that effort, right? We, we are the ones sponsoring that corridor ID project, which is really, I mean, again, these huge infrastructure projects take, take many, many years to happen. But, and they start with a, you know, it's, it's typical, frankly government bureaucracy and it's a study to to you know to it's basically a feasibility study for lack of a better term and that's that's where we are at this point but we expect that that will be recommended and we'll see where it goes well i can't not try right it's a good idea it was a good idea then uh it's still a good idea now and so right i mean as mayor i can't just say oh well you know we tried three or four times i'm not going to try i'm going to try yeah and uh and frankly i think it has a pretty good shot of happening this time This is just one of those issues. Uh, Jim is a big fan of passenger rail. I am a big fan of passenger rail. We advocate for it all the time. But just like our listeners, we know that there's been one blue ribbon study after another for 30 years now. And it's it's just become a a situation where, guys, just get it done. Like, I I know there's a lot that goes into this between the federal level, state level, city level, yada, yada, yada. Well, and then the, you know, the railroads have a lot to do with it as well. Of course. The the rail lines already exist, and in some cases, uh, the state has the absolute right to to put passenger rail on them, but the the railroads don't like it. Uh, They have very, very good lobbyists and lawyers, uh, but, uh, of course, they've not been uh, exactly distinguishing themselves in the public eye lately either, so maybe, you know, maybe (laughs) this is the time. Uh, that it happens. I, I certainly hope so. We're going to work as hard as we can to make sure it happens. If we had passenger rail tomorrow, good, dependable passenger rail, what would be your top three to five cities connecting Chattanooga? I know in in, in the case of me and Jim, we always talk about Charleston. Mm-hmm. 
We talk about, you know, obviously Atlanta. Well, right. Uh, right. So, the, the weirdly, for the fans of uh, Civil War buffs out there, you know, the, the same reasons that it's important today are the same reasons that was important during the Civil War, <laughs> uh, in that it's a gateway to the South and through to the upper Midwest. So, mm-hmm. so the reason that Amtrak is so interested in Chattanooga is because if we can connect Nashville, then you can get to Chicago. Sure. Conversely, uh, down from the East Coast, if you can connect uh, from that direction, you can connect the East Coast uh, down again to to Atlanta. Sure. They can come down like sort of parallel to I ninety five right now, but the Midwest route is really the main thing. I think for Chattanooga, I know again a lot of folks would like to hop on a train rather than deal with Atlanta traffic. Heck yeah. And uh, <laughs> and I know there are a lot of people in Atlanta that would love to come up here for a weekend. You know, uh, similarly here a lot from a lot of people in Nashville that, that uh, say that they would really enjoy the route and the, and the growth in population in those cities means that uh, the, the corridor would just be that much more commercially viable. Texter says, asks, when will somebody fix Igo Road? Half the white line is in the ditch. <laughs> I'll make a note of it. Uh, that one, I'm not, I haven't been on Igo Road in a while, but I'll, uh, I will make a note of it and check it out. Here's a story that goes back to our conversation about affordable housing, homelessness. Uh, Texter says, my 91-year-old aunt is currently in rehab for a broken hip. Her landlord wants to evict. She's rented from this individual for 19-plus years. What are your thoughts? Just to be clear, the rehab is for a broken hip. She has not missed any rent. It's just she's 91 years I, old. I, I get it, and and it's it's a terrible problem. So this is the what's happened, of course, is we've seen this big spike in uh, in, in housing values, for better yes. or for worse, um, and you know, landlords are able to charge more for rent as the demand increases, and the people that can't keep up can't keep up. And so, you know, I, I can't imagine putting a 91 year old woman out on the street. But we have resources that sits at court. Uh, you know, again, land the tenants have have uh, considerable rights in the state of Tennessee, and uh, the eviction prevention initiative is helping. Uh, them essentially it's free legal counsel for them at court to make sure that they know what their rights are and to help them out so I'm not, uh, I'm not always convinced that enough people to understand well we have the conversation about affordable housing and you were said that is the main driver of homelessness people is. who just flat out can't afford a house or an apartment or a rent anymore and i think there's a lot of people out there who say look i mean how can this be an issue if you work in a job and bringing in income you should have the money but I don't think enough people understand that aspect of it where Chattanooga in particular, like a lot of cities, has gone through this transformation over the last 10 years where a $125,000 house that sits on a plot of land in what was considered to be a kind of nowheresville of the city, that land alone is now worth $200,000. Yes. Well, And and so you've got landlords and property owners who are saying... I'd love to keep this 91-year-old woman in the house for 400 bucks a month, but I mean, come on now. My yeah. land is worth a lot of money. I've got to charge more. It's Listen, I'm a business guy, um, and, and I get it, uh, and, that's, and that's where the job of government is to kind of mitigate those two sides, right? I, I, I do think uh, if you've seen the news in the last few days about how many um, illegal short-term vacation rentals are out there, uh, that had a the effect of artificially, I will say, driving up the price of housing. And I do think with interest rates rising, we're seeing that come back down to more to more reasonable levels. And it needs to. Again, I'm I'm not. Uh, you know, my mother was a realtor. Uh, was in the was in the real estate business. Was a landlord for for many many years. So I'm not I'm not certainly not hostile to that industry or that business. But uh, as of the data from six months to a year ago, um, you know. Uh, 
policeman or woman, firefighter, teacher, none of those people could afford to buy a house in the city of Chattanooga because all were just out of reach out of, for, for the, uh, the AMI levels. And that's, that can't be the case, right? So we've, we've got to figure out ways uh, that rank-and-file folks can continue to live in the city of Chattanooga. Now, again, yeah. the, the market, I mean, we want to work with the market primarily. Sure. And I think the market is is correcting, both by cracking down on uh, the short-term vacation rental speculation. Um, and, and again, I mean, this is what the Fed is trying to do, uh, raise an interest rate, is tame inflation. So I, I, it is correcting. And at the same time, we've got a lot of new housing units coming online. So we will be all right. Uh, I, I feel sure of that. Uh, it's just taken a little while for the market to correct. I, I am not one of these. I, I own one property that I live in, but I know people who are multiple, you know, residential property owners. There's also, I'm sure you've had these conversations with people. There's plenty of these guys out there who specialize, landlords who specialize in, you know, Section 8 yes, affordable housing. Yes. Now, so, I think some people would call them slumlords if they're not maintaining their properties, but I've talked to... There are good ones. There one are guy very in particular I know yep. owns like a dozen properties, and and he only wants to buy up the Section Eight stuff because he says I make I actually make a lot of money of off course. this. Yes, and I'm yes. also helping people in the process. That's right. And there are some very very good reputable ethical Section Eight specialty landlords out there in Chattanooga, and of course there are some bad apples as well. But there are some very very good ones. So it's not uh, it's not yeah. fair to characterize them all with you know one brush. Right. Yep. Texter says, has the mayor visited the Eastgate Senior Center? Is he aware that Knoxville has nine senior centers? Could ours be expanded or supported better? Thank you for listening to me. Yes, uh, I have. And uh, we are in the process now of, of we're really looking at community centers uh, through a kind of a microscope and saying, how can they serve their communities better across the board? Um, the, I think, I think we do need more than one. I would rather see senior programming in community centers across Chattanooga rather than try to, you know, make every senior in Chattanooga get to Eastgate, very frankly. Uh, so, but it, that's going to take a little while. Um, you know, community centers, uh, uh, again, we, we spent a lot of time kind of refocusing, uh, that staff and that department on meeting the needs of their neighborhoods and that work continues. Texter says, okay, what about the Wilcox Bridge? Are we waiting for it to collapse? No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, frequently see trucks over the weight limit still going over. Well, I get that people don't uh, literally sit and watch the news cycle every day, but that was big news last summer. We we got the 70-something-odd million dollars from the federal government, the railroads, and others to replace that bridge. The work has not begun yet, but that bridge is going to be replaced soon. Texter says, study the Bright Line, Palm Beach to Miami, connecting yep. to Orlando. I have, and mm-hmm. it's fantastic. And now that's privately funded, which is really interesting. But then again, uh, Palm Beach, that part of Florida, has a tremendous amount of money. And the yeah. congestion on I-95 is much, much worse than sure. ours. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it is a really compelling model. It, does this have anything to do with it? Look, I'm 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 an amateur when it comes to engineering mm-hmm. and the rail lines. The fact that you know we're in the Appalachians, it's mountainous here compared to you know the eastern seaboard, that that uh, east coast of Florida is flat. Well, yeah, but nobody's talking about laying down new rail here. That's that's the other okay. thing that's important right. to understand. And if you you know you don't see the rail that runs from here to Nashville, but let me tell you something. I think people would take that train just for the you know just for the route. Uh, because if you ever do, do a little Googling on it, it is, uh, it's, it, you know, in the same way that it's uh, kind of a spectacular drive to yeah. get from here to Nashville on uh, on 24. But, uh, but, but uh, yeah. This texter says, can you ask the mayor if during his car salesman days he wishes he had thought of the line, rusted, busted, can't be trusted? 
<laughs> I think that's Can't the key. say that I Is did. that the key of Cleveland, Dad? I, I guess. Think, yes. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Well, I was fortunate to spend most of my career on the upper end of the car business. Uh, and so ooh, right. I never had to make ads riding a pig or do anything. <laughs> that I, uh, I just I kind of stayed out of that end of the pool. I'm glad, All right. I'm glad that I was able to do that. So the mayor was not dealing with the rusted, busted, can't be trusted end of the car line. I never had yeah. to say even push, pull, tug, toe. But, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Very good. Elgin is on the telephone line. Elgin, welcome. Thank you. Yes. Uh, these uh, motels are going to be converted into apartments. Yeah. Uh, the folks that are going to be moving in there, will we be subsidizing these folks? In other words, is this a free program for them? And if so, could we not find some type of uh, work within the city government, such as maybe janitorial services? working at a recycle center, something like that, to give them a sense of worth and to integrate them back into the workforce? That's a good question, Elgin. I mean, we do that all the time anyway. We have fairly robust adult education programs and, and a lot of social services out there to do that that are not necessarily connected to housing. I don't know which projects you're talking about in particular, I know there's a lot of um, of movements uh, or efforts afoot out there to convert motels to apartments and 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 of course they would be lower income apartments uh, and they're private landlords doing this. I support those efforts because again the 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 reason they're doing it, if you listen to them in planning commission, is that the motels are really hotbeds of crime and prostitution and drugs and things like that. Uh, you know, at least if you have a monthly renter, you have a monthly renter. How that's worse, I cannot, I can, it can't be conceivably, categorically worse. It's got to be better. So I don't, you know, people will show up and object to, to these ideas, and I frankly just don't understand the objections. I, I think converting those to apartments, even if they're low-income apartments, is a good idea. I, mm. I, I'm certainly open to, uh, you know, other opinions but i don't see how it's a bad idea and as far as you know them working most of them are working they're just uh they're working entry-level jobs texter says please ask the mayor the following river city company has a proposal to narrow broad street and add a plaza this will restrict transportation and cause a lot of problems what's your position on this uh, there's, I think, three plans currently drawn. I'd support, you know, we'll see where that pans out. But that segment of Broad Street is not through traffic. It dead ends into the aquarium. So there's not, there's not really, there aren't concerns there with, uh, th- I mean, if, if it were a through traffic, a th- literally a thoroughfare, it would be one matter. But we've done this multiple times in Chattanooga successfully, uh, what they call road diets, where we go from uh, two lanes to one lane in either direction and a turn lane. Um, and other than peak peak rush hour, it it works very very well. So that section again, we're at a thoroughfare. I might feel differently. It's not a thoroughfare, and I, I do support the plan. Uh, let's see. Chris is on line one. Chris, welcome. Yes, thanks for having me on. Uh, I wanted to comment about the housing market. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about it. Um, you know, and over the years, I've witnessed myself, Chattanooga Neighborhood Enterprise, buying up houses in certain neighborhoods and then driving up the price of, of those neighborhoods through purchasing multiple houses in that area. Um, also, I'm, I'm aware that the Chattanooga Neighborhood Enterprise has a program to help uh, first responders get housing through them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just wondering... You know, what are we going to do to, uh, you know, make sure that these programs 
are readily available to everyone and people know know that they exist as well mm-hmm. um you know and then with the short-term rentals i think studies have shown that those don't actually drive up the prices of the neighborhoods what's been driving up the prices is you have investor groups and so forth yeah. going in and buying one house to start and then buying multiple houses to, to sort of manipulate the market to drive up those housing prices so their investors can make more money. Thanks and have a great rest of the day and enjoy the show. Thank, Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good comments. Well, working backwards, yeah, again, the reason that speculative investors are looking at uh, are doing that and they, they have, we, we know they have been doing that. But they, you know, at some point the, 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 you know, the piper's gotta be paid, right? They're doing it to monetize those things through daily rentals is what we figured out. Cause look, take a, take a classic bungalow in, uh, you know, um, you know, in, in Eastlake. I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a typically not the hottest neighborhood, but you take that house, which might rent for, you know, monthly rental, you'd expect to pay maybe 1500, 2000 bucks. You put that thing on Airbnb for 150 or 200 right. a night and at 75% occupancy, that's four grand. Well, right. What, and yeah. what now working backwards can you afford to pay for that house to service a mortgage? I, it's, I got, I, I can tell you, it's about a half a million bucks. And yeah. so, and it's one thing for me, if it's somebody who lives in Chattanooga, who wants, you know, we recently passed uh, affordable, uh, additional dwelling units by right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to do that or have people in your house and, and make extra money as an Airbnb, great. I'm yeah. 100% supportive of that. And I think the ordinance that you'll see finally come through, I think the planning commission probably uh, proved it yesterday or today, you know, will support that. But what we can't have is, and I've witnessed it, right? Folks from, you know, uh, San Francisco and Boston, no offense to Boston, buying houses here sure. sight unseen. Of course. Uh, and then sticking them on Airbnb yep. without permits. And there's not a dime of that revenue that stays well, in China. Again, all it does is drive up housing prices. And that's got to stop. Ironically, the same woman with the 91-year-old aunt, she texted us back and said, my aunt is paying 800 a month. And my my reply to her was, what kind of house? You know, single family apartment. Yeah. In what area of the city? And the reason I want to know is, is exactly right. what you just said. Right. Most landlords nowadays, even in what was considered the down and out parts of Chattanooga, they can make a lot more than eight hundred a, a month. You got it, brother. Yeah. All right, Mr. Mayor, we appreciate it. Always Thank a you. pleasure. We'll see Thank you next you month. Yep.